Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Psalms chapter 31, beginning at verse 1, it says this. Oh, that's the wrong chapter. It says this, and this is David speaking. It says, in you, O Lord, listen to this, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, your name, therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Verse 5, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. Now turn over to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7, verse 59. Acts chapter 7, verse 59. It says, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, notice something similar here, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Notice what he said as he's being stoned. The scripture said that he looked up and he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. One more place and I'll promise we'll get into it. Luke chapter um, two. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 23. I just want to show you some similarities here. Luke chapter 23 verse 46 now notice these words of Jesus and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice he said father into your hands I commit my spirit having said this he breathed his last notice there was something common between all these three amazing men of God ultimately ending in Luke chapter 23, with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, all found them at very crucial times and distressing times of their life, times where they were faced with pain and opposition. And it amazes me that the similarity of the prayers that they prayed or the outcry that they had, but when they all in similar form during these times, here's David in one of the most distressing times of his life. He's saying, God, I trust in you. God, I put my faith in you. God, I need you to deliver me and keep me and sustain me. And then he says the words that Jesus echoed in Luke 23. He said, he said this, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He's saying, Lord, this in this horrible situation in this opposition that I'm facing right now. He goes, I understand that the greatest thing that I could do is put my faith and my trust 
in you and commit my spirit into your hands. Notice Stephen at the point of his stoning and there right before death, before he took his last breath, he said the same words. He looked up and, and he said, God, receive my spirit. I'm, I'm committing it to you. And then, of course, Jesus Christ, the lad's words that he spoke there in Luke chapter 23, after he had been um, crucified on the cross, he said these words, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. First and foremost, before I get to where I want to get, I want to title this or subject this, uh, title this or give it the subject if you're taking notes. Just write this down and I want to call it, hand it over. Hand it over. Now this is not a holdup. I'm not a robber. I'm not pointing a gun at you or anything. I'm not trying to take from you, but just do me a favor. Just touch your neighbor on the side and just not on the side. Just touch your neighbor that is beside you. Don't be touching nobody's side. Some of you, some of you took that as an opportunity to be fresh. But anyway, we'll pray for you in a minute. But anyway, touch the neighbor beside you and tell them it's time to hand it over. It's time to hand it over. Boy, we almost started off on the wrong foot already, touching people in their side. I'll make it work. Jesus was pierced in his side, and it was out of... But anyway, let me just get on in here. As we notice these three texts, that these three men were in a time that they all came to a conclusion of how important it was to trust and commit things to God. But as we journey through this text, I want you to look at the prayer and the, and the cry, cry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as he hung on the cross. The first thing the Bible said that when he hung there, he said, Father, into thy hands. I want to stop there for a moment because you can read over that. And it's amazing that he just, the first thing, he, he didn't say God. He didn't say El Shaddai. He didn't say Elohim. But he said, Father, into thy hands, I commit my spirit. I want you to understand how important that is because you need to realize that it is Jesus Christ in the New Testament under the new covenant that introduces us to the fatherhood of God. Understand that prior to Jesus coming on the scene, God was worshiped and God was honored and God was reverenced, but he was not honored or reverenced as God the father. They knew him as God creator. They knew him as God almighty. They knew him as the great omnipotent God, Yahweh. They knew him by all the different names that were used to describe him, like El Shaddai and Elohim and Yahweh. They knew of this God that was all powerful. They knew of the God that was almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of, of Israel. They knew him as God, as a holy God, as a righteous God and an amazing God. But understand it was only only until, until the new covenant where Jesus steps on the scene and he introduces a different aspect or a different revelation of God. Not him that just is the God of all the universe, but it's almost as if that through Christ, he brings God almighty down to a place that you and I can relate to him. And he uses the term God, the father. 
I don't know about you. We sing that song. He's a good, good father. But really what Jesus describes is a transition that takes place that we don't just want to know God, God, God through all the old covenant religious ways. But when he says, Father, I want you to know that under the new covenant, it's about a relationship with this God. And you can have an intimate relationship and know him just like a father. I want to show you the scripture says that all the more than once over and over how Jesus Christ proclaimed God as father. The Bible says in Matthew chapter five, verse 16, it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Here it is and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Matthew five forty-eight says this, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven. Matthew six tells us to pray to your father who's in secret and your father in secret who sees you in secret shall reward you open it goes on in Matthew 6 8 and it says because your father knows exactly what you need before you ever ask and when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray and when he laid the model out for praying the first line of that prayer was our father notice this I don't know if you knew this but Jesus uh, after looking at it Jesus speaks of the father 17 times in the sermon on the mount 51 times between John chapter 14 and 17 and in Luke chapter 2 as a 12 year old boy the first words that uttered out of his lips consisted of father remember he told his earthly parents that I must be about my father's business at the beginning when we first hear Jesus talking in the New Testament the first paragraph out of his mouth consisted with 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 a conversation around his father and then and we fast forward to Luke chapter 23 at the at, at, at where he's hanging on the cross coming to the conclusion of his earthly ministry and look what the last phrase is upon his lips he's talking about his father from the beginning of his ministry all the way to the end of his ministry there was one thing that Jesus wanted to get down into the heart of us as a people that we can have a relationship with God the father and I don't know about you it blesses me today to know that the awesome God, the mighty God and the most high God, he is my father through my relationship in Jesus Christ. And he's a good father. He's an awesome father. He's a mighty father, a father that will never leave us nor forsake us. I know sometimes that's a difficult subject. I know when you talk about father, it, it, it sometimes it, it, it is a difficult sub subject because many have grew up in homes, fatherless homes where they had no father. I know what it's like to not have the consistency of a father in your life. I know what it's like growing up, seeing him, you know, once every month or, or, or every other week or sometimes time, months go by and never see, never had the consistency of a father. And even in my journey and walk with relationship and walk in relationship with God, there was a season that I had, a tr I had trouble with really grasping a hold to God as father for the simple fact that I still had these issues. I still had these wounds. I still had these struggles down in my soul that longed for my natural father, but yet the hurt and pain had a, a, a messed up mentality so that when I heard the word father,
other. I only attribute it to hurt. I only attribute it to one who would never be there. I only attribute it to one who was who was pretty much abusive and to one that was never there for me. The one that made promises that he could never keep. And for some reason, but I guess due to the hurt and pain, I began to take, watch this, the dysfunctions of my natural father and charge them to the character of my heavenly father. Therefore, I couldn't experience the fullness of what my father in heaven had for me. But I thank God that through Jesus Christ and the help of his Holy Spirit and his love went down into the depths of my soul. And one day in a service, he reminded me, he said these words. He says, I am not your daddy. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. He was saying, quit looking at me through the eyes of your natural father and know that I am your heavenly father. And I, when I make you a promise, I'll keep it. If I say I'll be there, I'll be there. If I say I'll bless you, I'll bless you. I will walk with you. I will talk with you. I will tell you that I'm your own. And somebody needs to know today that even if your natural father has never been there, I want to tell you there is a God in heaven who would love to be your father. Because Galatians 4, 6 tells us that if we will receive the spirit of adoption, we can cry out, Abba, Father. He wants to be your daddy. He wants to be the one to put his arm around you and tell you how blessed you are, tell you how significant are, and tell you how favored you are. We have a good, good father. Give me one amen and I'll move on. Jesus came to reveal that God is a father. He said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. I want you to understand when he said that statement, he said, it's all about, notice where he said, it's to my father, but it's into his hands. I commit my spirit. Now, when he said, I commit my spirit into your hands, he wasn't talking about these hands. He wasn't talking about these hands that are made up of bones and tendons and ligaments and, and, and tissues and cells. He wasn't talking about the mere hands on a human being. I want to say that he wasn't talking about the hands of angels because there was a time where even Satan quoted this scripture to Jesus. He said, isn't it the thing that if you just jump off any cliff and fall, that there's somewhere in the Bible it said that the angels will get, he will give his angels charge of you and they will bear you up with their hands. No, no, no. He wasn't talking about the hands of angels. He wasn't talking about these type of hands, but he was talking about the hands of the Father. Jesus knew what it was like to be in the hands of men. Can I give you some references? It was the hands of man in Matthew 7, 22, the Bible said he was betrayed in the hands of man. In Matthew 26, it said he was betrayed in the hands of sinners. In Matthew 26 and 67, the Bible said, Said, with the palms of their hands, they would smack him. They would beat him. He knew what it was like to be in the hands, the futile hands of humanity. And what you have to understand when I'm telling you about handing it over, that it matters whose hands that you place things in. It matters the hands that you commit things to. Understand that it matters whose hands. That Can I just preach a little bit and go down this route? Because see, you know as well as I'm not the the... the 
greatest basketball player. I don't claim to be. Now, I'll make it seem like I'm the greatest basketball player. I'll talk a big game and until I get on the court, and you'll find out otherwise that I'm, I can't do a whole lot. But I'll make it seem like. But, uh, but understand, a basketball in my hand is nothing more than a brick and an air ball, to be honest. But if you put the hand in the, the basketball in the hands of Kobe Bryant, and I know he's just now returning, but understand how many you know that's multiple championships, multiple all-star games, and multiple MVPs because it matters whose hands that, that you put things in. You think about Tiger Woods. I've tried to play golf and I can't. I can't play golf. I've gotten a little bit better. I go out and, and, and my, some, my goals in golf sometimes is just to hit the ball. It's just to hit it. It's just to hit it. And then my next goal is to hit it and keep the same ball after I hit it. Then, then, then if I can keep the same ball after I hit it, then can I just keep it on the golf course? And, and thank God I don't go to courses where houses are. It just don't work with me. I mean, I remember the last time that I went there when I was working with, with, with a company called GE. And I mean, I tell you what, I believe they're still paying off the windows and glasses that are broken houses. I'm serious. But, 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 a, but a golf club in my hand is nothing more than, than, than I don't know, a, a hammer for the grass. But you put a golf club in the hand of a, of a Tiger Woods. And I, I know some of you feel like he's all washed up and everything and he's not doing too good. But think about it. Tiger Woods, I think it's 79 major PGA tours that he has won. 14 majors. Second, second. That is a great accomplishment. Why? Because it matters whose hands that you put things in. Can I tell you if I go outside and pick up a cricket stick that fallen from the tree and wave it and point it out, it may not do a whole lot. But the Bible declares that there was a man by the name of Moses when God put a, rod, a stick in his hand and he stretched it out. It went from a stick to become the rod of God that just not beat dogs away or beat cat. Oh, that's not that's good to say, is it? But, but I'm going to say it anyway. But dogs or cats, or well, let me say coyotes or wolves away. Whoops, forgot where I am. But anyway, to beat coyotes away and, and to beat bad animals away. But no, it was a rod of God that when he stretched it forth, it parted Red Seas. It pushed it back, the forces of the enemy. Understand it really matters whose hands that it's in. And understand that, you, you, you know, you, you think about it, that five fish and two loaves in my hand will only be a couple of fish sandwiches, to be honest. But if you put it in the hands of Jesus, it becomes a whole buffet for the multitude. You can put a few nails in my hand and a few hammers in my hand and I might can build you a birdhouse you might get a tree house but you put nails in the hands of our Lord and Savior it becomes the key and passageway to eternal salvation it matters whose hands that it's in it has to be in the right hands can I get a big amen right there Understand that for many hours, Jesus, the Bible said, was in the hands of sinners, hands that held him and bound him, hands that beat him and hands that stripped him, hands that put a crown of thorns upon his head and nailed him to a cross. But it was then there was the transition. It, then there came the time that Jesus said, enough is enough. It was in that moment that he made this statement, Father into your hands I commit my spirit. As long as his spirit, listen to this, was in the hands of the flesh, 
There was hurt. There was pain. There was torture. There was agony. But when he transitioned from the hands of the flesh into the hands of the Father, there was resurrection. There was life. There was triumph. And there's victory. And I just stopped by this evening just with a simple thought to tell some of you it's time for you to hand it over. What is it that you're carrying? What is it that you're trying to take on in your hands? What is it that you're trying to control? What is weighing you down and keeping you down? Uh, what is it that you're trying to wrap your hands around and get your hands around to make sure it stays in place, to make sure it is held up? I'm here to tell you life will hand you some things uh, that you you just can't handle in your hands. Life will hand you some things that you just can't handle with your own expertise, your own wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Granted, there are some things that we can do, but I'm learning if you live long enough, life has a tendency to hand you some pretty big challenges sometimes. Things that you just, that's too hot to handle and too cold to hold. Things you just can't do anything with. And in that moment, you need to learn how to hand it over. You need to understand that it may be too big for my hands, but it's not too big for his hands. And you need to get a revelation today and say, Lord, it's time for me to hand some stuff over. I'm going to hand over this marriage to you. I'm going to hand over these kids to you. I'm going to hand over this kid, this career to you. I've been trying to figure it out. I've been beating myself crazy at night. Can't sleep up, worried about this and that. Here, I have a remedy to you. Try handing it over to God. Get it out of your hands and get it into his hands. He can do more when it's placed in his hands. Can I get a big amen right there? You see, the Bible says concerning the hands of God, Isaiah 40, 12 said he has big hands. Listen, who measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and measured heaven with his span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in bound. Do you hear that? He measured the waters of the earth and the hollow of his hand, the big hands of God. I want to tell you there's something about knowing that you're in the hands of the father. When Jesus said, father, I commit my spirit to you. There's a security that comes when you know that it's in the hands of a father. I remember one time that we were in um, Georgia and um, we were going down a freeway. I told this story before, but I was worth telling again. But I remember going down the freeway and granted that we've been here for about six years, I think six or seven years, something like that. And when we came, my kids were almost four and my kids were almost two. And so they were very small. And so when we came to California, guess what? It never rains in Southern California. You rarely see any rain. Well, they said some's coming. What is the El Nino or something like that or whatever? But um, I don't know what that is. But anyway, just thought I'd throw that in there. But um what was that? Oh, yeah, that, 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 that they came here and it didn't rain a whole lot. And the times that it did, we took full advantage of it. We let them go out and play in the rain and roll in the rain. But it wasn't a whole lot. And so we went to Georgia in the summer. Now, with limited experience to just, you know, minor downpours of rain. But then going in the middle of the summer... See, when it gets black in the sky there, it's not overcast. It's not marine layer. 
It's time to get somewhere and sit down under a shelter and be quiet. That's what my grandmother used to say. When a storm comes, she used to have this saying, sit down while the Lord's doing his work. I never knew what that meant. Sit down. What do you mean the Lord's doing? But anyway, but I remember we were there and going down the freeway there. And all of a sudden, it was sunshine and it was thick black darkness. And as we're going into this, I'm like, uh-oh. All of a sudden, it started pouring down raining. It wasn't just pouring down raining. Then it started thundering. Then it started lightning. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing. Uh, 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 and it wasn't a CD or anything. Uh, it wasn't the rain. But I looked back. And my little Sydney is done. Tears streaming down her face. She's freaking out. She's gripping the seatbelt. She don't know what's going on. What's happening, Daddy? What's going on? What is this, Daddy? Why can you stop it? Can you stop? Make it quit. Why is it so dark? And it was boom, 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 and she frowned. She goes, Dad, 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 stop, stop, stop. And she is freaking out. I'm looking. I look back. I'm looking through the rearview mirror. My baby is having a meltdown in a major way. And I, I'm sitting here trying to trying to manage and drive and stay on the road and see, but yet comfort her at the same time. And 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 she's like, "Can't you just stop, little daddy? Just stop in the storm. Just stop and pull over." And I said, "Baby, it's okay. Daddy's got it. We're gonna get through the storm." She's like, "No, no, 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 no. You're not gonna get through the storm. Just pull over." But 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 then I remember what I did. The, I, I reached back as far as I could, and I remember I said, "Baby, just hold on to daddy's hand." Just grab a hold of daddy's hand. And she reached up and she said, okay, daddy. And I said, do you got my hand? And she says, yes, I got your hand. And she said, do you have my hand? I said, yes, I have your hand. And when I held her hand, listen, she calmed down. And she said, daddy, do you got me? I said, baby, I got you. She stopped crying and she got calm. But see, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Listen, it did not stop the storm when I grabbed her hand. It, it, the thunder didn't stop. The lightning didn't quit flashing. We didn't have to pull over in the middle of the storm. But the simple fact that I reached back and she felt the hands of her father mm -hmm, in the middle of the storm, surrounded by all these things that was bringing fear. It didn't stop the storm. It did, But what it did, it gave her comfort in the storm. What I'm trying to tell you, that when life hands you some things, you need to learn to hand it over and grab a hold to the hand of the father the storm may not stop but he can get you through the storm the hardships may not stop automatically but he will walk through you with it he knows how to give you comfort in the middle of the storm peace in the middle of the storm strength in the middle of the storm give him praise right now for his strong hand understand you have to realize the Bible said this. <clears throat> or, or some people are often scared to place their lives and all that they have and all that they are into the hands of the Father. Because they don't always know what to expect. They don't always know how things will come out. And that's exactly where we have to be in our understanding to know that when David said this, notice what he said in Psalms 31. 
He said, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. When David said, I commit my spirit my, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And he said, Lord, I put my trust in you. You know what he was saying? He was saying, your hands are trustworthy. I can trust your hands. I may not know the outcome, but I can trust your hands. I may can't see my way out right now, but I trust your hands. Your hands are trustworthy. And can I tell you that, 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 that the greatest place that you can put your life is in the hands of an awesome and a faithful and a trustworthy God. But many, many are sometimes are afraid because they don't know. I promise you, when you put your life in the hands of, of God, God. And in Jesus Christ, he wants the best for you. He has your best interest in heart. I just have to trust him with my life. That's why the Bible said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. But sometimes we find it difficult really committing things to God. But you know, I was thinking about it. I said, you know, the scripture said it is better to trust in God than to put confidence in man. But, but watch this. How often do we still have more confidence in man than we have trust in God? Let me give you an example. <laughs> I thought, well, let, me, let me put it back on me. I was like, you know what? I trust my kids <laughs> to school teachers. Not that they're bad. For five days a week, several hours a day, I drop them off and I'm just there. All right. They're okay. Be ready to pick them up or whatever. Don't ever think twice about it. You know, you jump in the car and drive. I trust this vehicle. <laughs> think about the subtle things that we do out of routine that we just go by and never think about that we put confidence in. But yet when God said, just trust me with your marriage. Trust me with your career. Trust me with your finances. Trust me. Trust that I have your best interest at heart. We find it often difficult, but what you have to understand that his hands are trustworthy. His hands are faithful. His hands are for us and his hands is with us. And it's in his hands that I am and I have the most security. Are you following me? The Bible tells us this. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will bring it to pass. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Now let me show you this when it said commit your ways to the Lord and trust. Here's what he's saying. That word commit means to roll off onto. The picture is a camel that is weighed down. That has a back that is filled with cargo or luggage or carrying multiple things. And the picture is a camel that will squat down and allow the things that are weighing it down on his back to be removed or cast off of him. One translation actually says cast off the weaker one onto a stronger one. In other words, when it says commit your works, trust is saying 
cast off or cast your cares upon the Lord for he cared for you. In other words, if you care about it, God cares more about you than you care about it. And he's saying, all you have to do is roll it off onto me. Roll it off unto the stronger one. And I'm telling you, some of you in the spirit, if you could see yourself, you're weighed down like a camel, carrying things on your back. Heaviness is upon you, weighing you down, weighing you down emotionally, weighing you down spiritually, walking down and down and down, struggling through life. And I'm telling you, there is a release that you can have in your spirit. There is a release that you can have emotionally when you learn to say, you know what? I'm just going to hand this over to God. Cast your cares upon him. That word cares means anxieties. That word cares mean worries. That word care means fear. What are you afraid of? What's worrying you? What's, be what's, what's beating you down that you simply need to cast your cares upon him? Hand it over to the Lord. I want to show you something. The Bible says this, that into your hands I commit my spirit. There are people that still want to control their own lives and handle lives themselves. This is a thing that, I, that Isaiah was addressing in the 65th chapter when he told the children of Israel. Listen to what he says. He says, I have stretched out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good according to their own thoughts. You know what God was saying? He said, I was extending my hand to help you. I was extending my hand to reach out to you. But he said, but you were a stiff-necked people. You know what he was saying? You felt that you knew what's best for your life. You had it in your mind. You knew what best for, you knew what was best for you and what was best. And really, he was saying that you're saying you don't need my hand. I can take matters in my own hand. I can handle this myself. And the Bible said that they rejected the hand of God. Can I tell you the scripture said there is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof are many ways to destruction. All the ways of man seem right in his own eyes, but God weighs the spirit. Can I tell you God knows what's best for you? God knows what's best for me. And the best thing that you and I can ever do is make sure that we're putting our life in his hands at all times and handing it over to him. Listen. I love it because it says this, that, uh, that Jeremiah says, I know the plans that I have for you. He's saying, I know what's best for you. I know what's best for your family. I know what's best for that situation. And he says in Psalms 31, 15, that my times are in your hand. I love that. My times, David said, are in your hand. I don't care what time I may find myself in, in an uptime or a downtime, but my times are always in your hand. We see this commercial all the time. And it says that, listen to this, you are in good hands You watch too much TV. It says you are in good hands with all state. Let me just tell you about that, though. That all state slogan, you are in good hands. It was created in the 1950s by all state insurance company sales executive. His name was David W. Ellis. The phrase was used by a doctor that was taking care of his ailing child.
his child was sick and battling for his health and battling for his life. And that doctor looked at David Ellis and he said, don't worry. He's in good hands. Your son is in good hands. What he was saying that I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to make sure that he's taken care of. But watch this. And it said later that year, the story said Ellis and his marketing team were brain, doing a brainstorming session to, to develop a slogan for the company's first major national advertisement campaign. And it says the group was about to give up when Ellis remembered the reinsuring remarks that was given to his doctor. It is there that they coined the term at Allstate. You're in good hands with Allstate. And we see it all the time. We hear it on the, and see it on the TV all the time. But isn't it something that here was a man that took the words of a natural doctor and used it to, uh, to be a huge advertising and marketing campaign for a major insurance company that, that, that the whole company would hold these words up of a natural doctor to the point that it names the entire company and organization how much, I want to say faith and, and emphasis that they put in that slogan from a natural doctor who says you're in good hands with all state. But I want to tell you, I want to reframe that because I'm glad that that not natural doctor thought that that son was in good hands because he was in his hands. But I want to say you're in good hands when you're in Jesus Christ because see, all state can give you insurance for your car, insurance for your life, and maybe insurance for your house, but Jesus Christ can give me blessed assurance for my life, for my soul, and my body. I'm glad you're in good hands with Allstate, but I need something more than an insurance policy. I need eternal security. I need to know that if I were to die today, that I don't have an insurance policy that's just going to take care of my family. I need an assurance policy that's going to take care of my eternal soul. You're in good hands with Jesus Christ. The Bible said this, and I'm almost there. Then in Acts chapter 28, the scripture said this, that the apostle Paul, after being shipwrecked, had came upon the island. And the Bible said there, the people, they actually called them barbarians there, that they had built a fire, the scripture said. And Paul began to warm himself by the fire. And when he had went and taken up sticks to place on the fire, watch this. The scripture said that out of the heat, a viper came. And it said it bit him and it clay clung to his hand. I think that's the right word or stuck to his hand. Let me use that. And they said when it stuck to his hand, that the people looked at him and said, Ooh, this must be a man of sin. He must be under judgment. He surely is going to die. But the scripture said that when the viper, the, the viper, the viper bit Paul, that it came out of, notice it came out of the heat, but the Bible said he shook it off in the fire. It came out of the heat. Uh -huh. It came out in the heat of conviction. But it, he shook it off in the fire of the Holy Ghost. Mm, let me just say, that's a whole nother thing I got to quit. But, but, but it, notice the heat when things heated up, then, then stuff started coming up. But it came out and it bit his hand, but he shook it off. 
In other words, Paul said, I, this, I'm not going to let what's bit me hold on to me. I've got to get this off of me. I got to get this off. And notice that, 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 that even though life can bite you with some stuff sometimes, see, the, the, see, the, 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 how can I say this? Uh, uh, the, the pain or the, or, or the hurt or the damage is not done with the bite. The damage is done with the venom that comes from the bite. See, it wasn't the bite that killed you. It was the venom or the lingering effects of the bite that killed you. But see, the only reason why it's lingering because it still stayed there. That's why it's important when you get bit by situations, when you get bit by people's attitude, when you get bit by gossip, when you get bit by backstabbing, when you get bit by false accusations, when you get bit by being like, oh, I'm coming for, when you get bit by the vipers in life, you don't have time to just hold on to it and take stuff personal and receive that venom in your spirit. You got to learn to shake that stuff off. You got to get it off of your head. I got, no, 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 no. Say what you want to say, but I'm shaking you off. Talk what you want to, I'm shaking. Did you hear what? No, I didn't hear what she said. I didn't hear what he said. I don't care what he said. Well, they said, I don't. Shake it off. You have to shake that stuff off. You can't hold on to the bitter bites of the enemy. It will poison you and keep you and ultimately kill you. But I'm thankful that I have the power of the Holy Ghost to shake it off. I got to see, I'm going to tell you why it's important. I'm going to tell you why it's important. Joel, it blessed me. That's why you read stuff in context. Because the moment after he shook it off, uh uh-huh, yeah, Taylor, shake it off. But anyway, but when he shook it off, the Bible said there was a man by the name of Publius. I got to be careful how I say that. I'm going to call him Master P. Well, that ain't even better, is it? But anyway, I'm going to call that Joker P. That ain't even better either. But anyway, go read your Bible. Publius, Publius. I'm quitting. It's in there. But the Bible said he was, a, he was one of the citizens of the land. And the scripture said that they catered to Paul. They took care of Paul. But then he said his father became sick with a fever. And then it said, they called Paul, listen to this, and he came, watch this, into where his father-in-law was, watch this, and laid hands on him, and he was healed and recovered, and they brought many others to Paul, and he laid hands on them and healed them. What am I trying to tell you? That's why it's important. You got to hand stuff over. That's why it's important. You got to shake stuff off. See, there's a purpose attached to your hand. There's a destiny attached to your hand. It can't be caught up in all kind of stuff, holding things it shouldn't be holding. Oh, God, let me go ahead and say it. Trying to hold people you shouldn't be trying to hold, trying to keep stuff together for everybody else. No, you got to hand it over to God. Shake your hands off. He needs those hands for service. He needs those hands for healing. He needs those hands for ministry. He needs those hands for destiny. You have to hand it over. Free up your hands for the call and destiny of Jesus Christ. Why don't you give Jesus a shout of praise? Come on, stand to your feet. 
Come on, tell your neighbor you got to hand it over. Quit holding on to it. Quit holding on to the grudge. Quit holding on to bitterness. Quit holding on to resentment. Quit holding on to unforgiveness. Quit holding on to what they said about you. Quit holding on to other people's opinion who don't really matter anyway. Quit holding on to what everybody else is saying and start focusing on what Jesus is saying about you. I need somebody just to do like this. I got to shake some stuff off. I got to get it off. I got to give it to God. It's been, no, 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 no. I may have came in here with some stuff, but I'm leaving it today. I'm putting it down today. I don't have room in my car. I don't have room in my closet. I don't have room in my house. I've been dragging stuff for too long. It's time to hand it over and shake it off. Jesus. Mm. Hand it over to Jesus. What are you carrying today? What are you weighed down with today? What unnecessary weights that are on your life today that you just need to let go and let God? Some of you are so worry-driven. That's not of God. Can I tell you that? The Bible said be anxious for nothing. Absolutely nothing. And you're worried, stressing. I know what it's like. Been there. But there comes a point, man, that you got to say, wait a doggone minute. What's wrong with me? It's not God's will. Why am I stressed out? Why am I freaking out? Why? Why? Come on. When that, that word, when it says, into thy hands I commit my spirit, it was actually a Jewish prayer that they would they would teach the little children at night and it was the last thing that they would say before they would go to sleep you know what it was it was saying it was sealing their sleep that i'm gonna have sweet sleep tonight before i close my eyes i'm gonna give it all to you i'm gonna give it to you so i can rest in you some of you are tossing and toiling staying up at night looking at the ceiling can't shut your brain down Because you're thinking about this, thinking about that. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? You need to start handing some stuff over to God and say, I commit it to you, Lord. I believe in Jesus' name. Some people are going to get their sleep back tonight. Mm. Hallelujah. Oh, no, 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 no more anxiety. No more staying up late. No more being tormented in your mind. Hand it over to Jesus. said he has he given precious sweet sleep to his beloved we're to rest in him and have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding right now in this room I want to ask you something I know we got thank you for listening to this week's podcast we hope you were blessed